You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. I begin today's episode with a quote from one of my favorite founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. If all printers were determined not to print anything till they were sure it would offend nobody, there would be very little printed. And welcome to episode 240. <laughs> Today's guest is Jonesy Jones with the nonprofit organization Jackson Whole Horse Rescue. Jonesy has held several different careers as an owner, employee throughout his life, which have all had a relationship with horses, or at least most of them have. As a horse owner himself and horse lover, you gotta love horses to own a horse. He and his wife felt that horses needed people and places to live out their senior lives in comfort. Since the nonprofit began, Jackson Hole Horse Rescue, Jonesy and his wife have taken in hundreds of horses. You know, some of these horses aren't necessarily just out to pasture for the rest of their lives. They find purpose. They find a way, if that horse still has some energy and life in it, to put it to work. And today, Jonesy shares the why Jackson Hole Horse Rescue exists and how they are providing, again, a purpose to these older horses. And at the end of the show, he has a little surprise to share with you about one of his talents that you will certainly enjoy. Hey, Jonesy, thank you so much for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. I am honored and excited to have this time to get to know you and talk to you and learn more about you today. You bet. Sounds great. So, Mari, you live here in, in Jackson? Yes, I do. I have done for 12 years. For 12 years. Prior to that, I lived in Star Valley, which is about 50 miles over that direction, over in the southwest. Uh, uh -huh. I uh, lived there for 40 years. Oh, excuse me, 28 years, total 40 years. 28 years in Star Valley and 12 years here in Jackson Hole. And the Grand Teton is right out my window right there. Oh, beautiful. Do you live up in the park? I live, uh, our property adjoins the park. Oh, it does. I should okay. say my boss's property. I'm, I'm manager caretaker here. Okay. Fabulous. Where were you born and raised, Jonesy? Born and raised in uh, Arizona. I was actually born in Safford, Arizona, but my hometown is Burton, New Mexico, which is barely across the border east of Safford, right on the eastern edge of the state. And uh, I spent most of my life in Arizona until I was 31. That I moved to Colorado. I bought a kid's summer camp there where I was kind of raised on it every summer. My dad being a school teacher, we would go in the summer and work on this kid's summer camp called Circle K Ranch, right in the southwest corner of Colorado near Telluride. And then from there, I moved up to Wyoming in 1983. Were you able to sell the ranch? I mean, the, the kid's summer ranch, summer camp? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And then bought an outfitting business up here in Wyoming. What was it like? What were the things to do at that summer camp, Circle K Ranch? And what was it like running a summer camp? Well, it was it was fun. Uh, you know, like I say, I grew up there. I first went there when I was 13 years old in the summer. Spent every summer there pretty much till I was 21. 
and then did other things. And then I heard it was for sale in 1978. Had a partner with me and we bought it and had it for five years, and then came up here and All actually right. ran into financial difficulties and finally had to get out of it and move to Wyoming. All financial right. difficulties caused by uh, most of our kids came to Colorado from Dallas and Los Angeles areas in their church joy bus. You know, they got about six miles a gallon. And then we had that gas crunch where there were big lines and gas stations and the price of gas doubled almost overnight. And we had so many cancellations for those churches that we just mm. got in trouble. So I've been there, done that. Okay. And um, what type of outfitting were you doing? Guiding mm. uh, summer trail rides up in the mountains, beautiful, gorgeous mountains. And uh, then outfitting hunts in the fall, elk and deer hunts. So in the 40 years I've been in here in Wyoming, I uh, elk and deer hunts, then trail rides. And then when I was hired on here to at Trinity Ranch is the name of it. It's owned by a man in California, in Pasadena. He runs Sun Pacific Group in California, raises all kinds of citrus and kiwi fruit and table grapes, and tomatoes and and things like that. His best-known product is the Clementine Cuties, the seedless mandarins that you buy oh. at the grocery store. He actually brought, brought those seedless mandarins to the United States, and then he did so well with his cuties that uh, a lot of other companies jumped on the bandwagon. Now there's Halos and Buddies and Sweeties and everything else. Hmm. So he hired me on in the spring of 2011. Uh, oh, it's been 12 years. Spring of 2011, and uh, when he hired me on, we had horse rescue going for three years prior to that and we cut a deal that he would provide irrigated pasture for the horses for the horse rescue in exchange for me taking his guests which are family and friends and top employees horseback riding when they're here on their vacation so he gives people a week vacation here their family comes and stays and while they're here i take them horseback riding two or three times in the week and we also go boating on jackson lake and boating on jenny lake and floating down the snake river on a raft. Beautiful. It's a lot of work, but it's, I love it. I really do. And so going back to your, let me ask you about your, your outfitting days when you're doing trail rides and deer and elk hunts. Okay. What mountains were you doing that in? Cause you were down in Star Valley. Correct. Uh, the Gray's River. Gray's River starts right at Alpine. So from Jackson, you go 35 miles down to Alpine and then you'd go up Gray's River for 15 miles. And then my home was 30 miles from Alpine South, the other direction. I had a, a Forest Service permitted camp on the Grays River, 15 miles up Grays River. And so I rode all those mountains there in the Salt River Range. Spectacular country. Beautiful, spectacular country. And I specialized in trophy mule deer. And this sitting over there because I talk to everybody about it. And plan on talking about the mule deer, but there's a picture of, gosh, can you see it? Yeah, that's a big deer. That's one whopper of a buck. Yeah. One of the best bucks we took, probably the best buck we took, although we took some really great ones. And I specialized in those trophy mule deer. Uh-huh. Did you have uh, any interactions with mountain lions or bears while you're back there? Uh, yes, but not, not significantly. We saw them and we saw, you know, bears. And I even saw a couple of grizzly bears, even though Gray's River isn't noted for grizzly bears. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have any conflict with them. Mm-hmm. The biggest conflict I've had was right here where I am now, north of Jackson. I'm 10 miles out of town, north of Jackson. And, well, uh, that's grizzly country right there. Well, <laughs> last spring, yeah, it was last spring, first week of May, I went out to feed one of the horses that we had in a krill here. And, uh, the horse 
needed special attention, needed extra grain every day because it was an old broke down horse. I got in the Polaris. I went down a little ways and all of a sudden there's a big bear sitting in the road looking across the fence at this horse. And I stopped immediately. I said, man, that's a grizzly bear. I, uh, so I thought, good grief. I wondered what to do. And then the bear saw me and she turned and she ran toward the lodge there. And so she got to the corner of the lodge and I followed. There were four more bears, grown cubs. And guess which bear that was? 399. 399 had four cubs and they were two years old last spring. Mm -hmm. I saw them right here on the property right there. And anyway, we took pictures of them as they wandered around the property here. And I called all the neighbors and they were all out looking at them. And we've got a lot of, lot of pasture ground here. And so they were quite a ways away from nearly everybody, but with telephoto lens, we got some good pictures. Oh, that's awesome. And you said that you've been doing Jackson Hole Horse Rescue. You were doing it for three years. That's 2008. <clears throat> okay. And here's how it came about. Are you ready for this story? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear what Jackson Hole Horse Rescue is and how it came about, both of it. Okay, Jackson Hole Horse Rescue is, the legal name is Jackson Hole Regional Horse Rescue. Uh, at the time we founded it, we were in Star Valley, Wyoming, but not many people know where Star Valley is. Everybody knows where Jackson is. So for three years, we were over there. The name was Jackson Hole Regional Horse Rescue. When we moved here in 2011, then we changed the name to Jackson Hole Horse Rescue. On, on paper, but legally registered as regional horse rescue. Okay, so how it came about was uh, I had a horse that I used for my guide horse. He was an Arabian. His name was Shadow. One heck of a good horse, best horse I ever had. And uh, I got him when he was four years old. And then when he was 22 years old in 2000, yeah, 2008, I took him on a ride and he couldn't lift his left hind leg over a, well, he drug his left hind leg over a log that we crossed. And I thought, that's weird. And I came up to the next log and he kind of hesitated, stepped over carefully and kind of drugged that left leg, took him to the vet. And he had arthritis. Yeah. And I said, but he's only 22 years old. And then that said, you know, it's just like people. Some of them get arthritis at 50 and some never get it, you know? And so, so what do you do with a favorite old friend that you've been literally thousands of miles on in rough, beautiful mountains. You can't just put him down or send him to slaughter or whatever that. And so my wife and I talked about uh, setting up a uh, old folks home for horses. And that's how the Jackson Hole Horse Rescue came about. Oh, that's beautiful. And so we, we hung up our shingle. That was interesting. We applied for a 501c3 designation and applied to the state to get recognized. But before we proved, we started hanging posters around Star Valley, and the first call we got, a guy lived about oh, 10 miles from us, and he said, I'm out of a job, I'm out of money, and I'm out of hay. I've tried to sell my horses, and I can't. Would you please come get my horses and take care of them? So we did. There were two very average-sized mares, thorough mares, which are, were a dime a dozen back then. They were gentle, but uh, not much market for them. And so we took them in, and... Uh, Within, oh, five or six months, we found a good home for them and, and uh, of course, had some horses because of my outfitting business. Those were the first rescue horses we took in. Now, yeah. since then, we've taken in probably 250 rescue horses. Typically, the horses we get are not like those. Those were good riding horses, uh, you know, that people could use and ride. But the typical horse that we get in is old, broken down has problems, lameness or illness or whatever. For instance, 
the most recent horses we took in, a couple from Jackson Hole called us and said the woman's parent lived in Idaho Falls, and uh, she said they're getting old enough they need to go into a rest home, but they're really worried about their horses. You know, do you could you possibly take them in? And really, I didn't have much of a place to put them. I really didn't, but we figured things out. And I said, if you will help me clear this one corral we've got over here that's drifted in four and five feet of snow there, if you would help us clear that corral, I could put them in there and start feeding them grain and hay. So we agreed to that. They came over and they helped real a lot for two days, really helped a lot. And we got that corral where we could put horses in it. It's at a neighbor's home down the street. Now here at the ranch that I manage, I caretake this 256 acre ranch called Trinity Ranch. We do not have horse sheds and things like that where we can keep horses here. I've asked the boss if I could build one. He said, no, it doesn't fit the decor of this nice, beautiful retreat here. And I can see that too. It, it wouldn't really quite fit in. And in the winter, we're just in a wind tunnel. We get so many incredible blizzards here with 40 and 50 mile an hour winds. It'll just be blowing us off the face of the earth. I'll talk to somebody in town in Jackson who mentioned the high wind. He says, well, it is kind of breezy. And I said, breezy, what have you got? And he said, oh, maybe 20 mile an hour winds. I said, we've got at least 50. Point is, we're in such a wind tunnel in the winter, we just couldn't keep a horse here. Mm -hmm. So we've got neighbors down the street that have sheds for the horses, have a good windbreak there and everything. And that's where we keep our old ones in the winter. Right now we have four of them, including those two we took in. And I started telling a story about those two horses. So we got the place ready. The two old folks from Idaho Falls brought them over here in their horse trailer, dropped them off, and we had a good visit with the folks and everything. Those two horses, one of them is 30 years old, plus probably, really sway backed and, you know, obviously an old horse. And the other one's 23 years old and has cancer. And it has big sores on its back leg. And basically, our criteria for putting a horse down is vet recommendation where they're in chronic pain, no hope of getting better. And so I'm sure that horse won't last through the whole season, but we'll give it the best we can while we can. Mm -hmm. And same way with old horses. It's just a fact of life in this business that, that we take in a lot of old diseased horses and several a year ended up, end up dying. I think we had six or seven last year that went belly up. We'll go out there and find them dead in the pasture or... All the horses are over here, and Aspen's standing over there by the fence with her head down, looking really mm -hmm. and weak. We go over and check her out, and she, she's she got something obviously wrong. We take her to the vet. That says it's just her time. Mm. How you do it? They just know. What do you do with the, the remains of the horse? I know you're going to ask me that, and I'll tell you exactly how it transpired. At first, when we first started in Star Valley, uh, we would the vet would put them down. It would cost about 350 bucks for the vet visit and the injections to put them down. I was a present for several of them that way. And the vet would uh, inject them and then they'd get really dopey and start to get groggy. And then he'd give them another injection. They'd go down and sometimes it hang around too long. So they'd give them a third injection to, to finish them off mm -hmm. and then haul them to the dump. And that was an extra expense. And we were struggling financially for the first six or seven years of this operation. And so finally got point when we had to put one down. I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to put it down. And so I put it in the horse trailer, drove down the road where there's nobody around anywhere, gave the horse a good hug, goodbye, and said, you've been a good horse. I'm sending you to beautiful pastures in the sky. 
not step back and point blank range, shoot it between the eyes, and then take it mm -hmm. to the much cheaper. And that was what we did for a while. And then we had a situation where we needed to put a horse down, thought about it. Oh, we put a couple of horses down here on the property called a backhoe to dig a hole for them and bury them right here. And they were horses that we were emotionally attached to, such as Shadow. He's buried out there. Anyway, mm -hmm. but it cost a lot of money to call a backhoe guy and come out and dig a hole. And where he dug the hole, this is such rocky ground, grass won't grow over it again. Mm. And so what we did was we turned them back to nature. And first one I did that to, took it out here, gave it a good hug out here in the pasture, shot it. Then I split all the muscles in the gut open and let the ravens and magpies, and eagles and foxes and coyote and everything just turn it back to nature. And I had mm -hmm. one of the neighbors from across the way that really, really called me on it. And I brought her over and I explained exactly what we were doing. I said, now, if the thing died out in the forest, like an elk dies out in the forest, what happens to it? Nobody hauls it to the dump. Right. The critters clean it up and the critters mm -hmm. get fed by doing that. And of course, we've had to watch carefully to make sure we don't attract bears. Yeah. Here with that. But uh, that's what we generally do now is most of them we put down that way. And some of them we still take to the dump and pay $100 to dump if we we've got one out there being cleaned up and another one dies, I'd just soon not have too much here. I haven't had a horse. I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a horse person. Okay. But I, I understand what you are saying that these are your friends, oh, like Shadow. Totally. And how do you handle this emotional up and down? You meet a new horse, you become close to it, and you know that you're there to take care of it for the end of its life. I've been in the horse business most of my life since I was 13, and I've had to tell a lot of really good friend horses goodbye. And some some of them, when they're really old and starting to really deteriorate, it's not hard to tell them goodbye because they're going to a much better place. Some of them that are younger that got a leg broken or something like that, that's hard. It's mm -hmm. just like people. An untimely accident where a person dies is much more sad than a person that just lives 90 years old and then it's their time and so it, it's that way but i do get emotionally attached to these horses there's no doubt about it and it is an up and down and i hate to put one down when i have to but it's just a fact of life that has to be done and i i don't like but it has to be done and are there other organizations in the area in this state like yours uh there is no other horse rescue in the state that's a 501c3 there's one over in Idaho, oh, 100, 100 and some odd miles from us, not too far. They are scattered throughout the, the West and throughout the whole country, but we are the only one in Idaho, and we're in the extreme western edge of, I mean, excuse me, we're the only one in Wyoming, and we're the, in the extreme western edge of Wyoming. And so sometimes I'll get a call from somebody over in Douglas, which is the extreme eastern part of Wyoming, and say, I've got a horse here, and I'll talk to him about it. And I said, well, yes, we can take it in if you will bring it over here. We don't have time to go clear across the state, stay overnight in a motel, clear back again. And so sometimes they do that. So how are you, you and your wife, funding all the medical bills, all of the feed, the hay? Mm -hmm. There's a, I mean, there, you got to do a lot to keep, a, I mean, the horse is still alive. You got to take care of it. There are a lot of expenses. When we were over at Star Valley, we depended on donations there, and Star Valley being what it was at the time, didn't have very many wealthy people there. We got donations from people, you know, a ton of hay here, a ton of hay there, or in the summer, 
here's a pasture you can use, you know, for your horses, that kind of thing. But we struggled financially. We really did until about oh, 20, 2008 or nine, And then even then, we didn't get financially on our feet until I discovered how to use Old Bill's Fun Run as a fun That has just been a lifesaver for us. I can't say enough good about Old Bill's project. For those that are listening and don't know about Old Bill's, it was started by, started by a guy named Old Bill some 20 years ago. And uh, he put up some money and asked people to match it to help nonprofit organizations. And it has grown and grown and grown until it raises a tremendous amount of money. Our donations through Old Bill's first year was about ten or $11,000. And then each year seemed to grow a little bit, kind of hung out in the 20s. And then the last three years, it's really escalated until we finally had enough money to buy a couple of new horse trailers and a truck for the horse horse rescue. And so it's it's been very good the last three or four years. Can't say enough good about it. It's made the, all the difference between us struggling financially and not being able to take care of horses and now being self-sufficient, but sufficient. When, when you're ready, I'll give you a summary of the horses that are in our care right now and where they are. Oh, yeah. Let's take a, Jonesy, let's take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors. And then I would like to learn about those Sound good. horses that you have. Yeah. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,662 tons of food waste are disposed of in the trash in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve the county's goal to reduce, aiming for zero waste. For more information on Teton County, ISWR's residential and commercial food waste programs, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle. Change begins with each of us, one day at a time. Jonesy, welcome back. We're talking about Jackson Hole Horse Rescue and how you and your wife and my guess is you guys have volunteers, too, that come and help you. Yes, we do. And the volunteers are very, very needed and appreciated. Uh, we have a number of volunteers from the community that come out from time to time, help us fix fences, uh, clean horse poop, groom horses, uh, their manes and their tails, and also work with a few horses that have an issue, like we've got two or three horses that are hard to shoe. Horseshoer, the farrier, has to dope them up in order to be able to pick their foot up to, to shoe them. And we're trying to train them so that they can, will be okay with, with somebody picking up their shoe and putting a shoe on it, their foot, putting a shoe on it. And uh, basically, that's just a matter of running your hand up and down their leg, taking kind of a little, um, oh, kind of a leather stick, leather uh-huh. rod, and just run up and down their leg. Basically, get them used to getting their feet touched and then work them, try to lift their foot. Hmm. So we do a lot of work, but volunteers are, are really helpful. In the spring, like this year, our fences are in terrible shape. And if we ever get dirt out here, we'll have a fence fixing thing. Seriously, right now, I'm north of Jackson, just west of the airport. And as far as I can see out there, there's nothing but snow. I believe it. There's a few little spots that are showing grass, but not mm-hmm. very many. It's deep snow. Yeah. I mean, you're- oh, yeah. Some of, some of the snow drifts are still out there three or four feet deep. And that's mm-hmm. crazy for this time of year. Hey, Jonesy, share with people... What happens to that horse if you don't have the farrier come out and reshoe that horse? The, the hooves grow too long, 
you know how your toenails and your fingernails get too long and then they start breaking off and sometimes mm -hmm. when they break it makes it hurt that's what happens to a horse's feet too and it can also cause lameness because as the the foot grows out and kind of up it's walking on the heel of its foot and that's not healthy for them at all and if you have a horse that just you can't manage there are a couple of people that use a tilt table method where they tie the horse into a little stall clamp it in and tilt it and work on their feet i don't like to do that it's cheaper and it's quicker and more efficient but i'd rather have a horse be able to pick up its feet you know if you're out on the trail and the rain drops down and you've got to pick its foot up to get the rain off of there you want to be able to do that Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so tell us about some of those horses that you have in your care right now, Jones. Okay, I keep a journal of what we do and all the things that we put up with and whatnot. But here's a summary of the horses in our care right now, as of as of now, the twenty this is twenty fourth of April. Okay, first of all, we pay one hundred and fifty dollars a horse for their winter care plus vet expenses paid to those who are caring for them. We have. 16 horses over at a ranch in Crowheart, which is 105 miles over the hill here past Dubois. And that's a lot warmer over there and a lot less snow. And it's a very much easier place for the for the horses to winter. And Scott and Jane Mahler own that property and they've, they've taken care of our horses for six or seven years now. And we have 16 horses there. There's Copper, Jojo, Trey, Cinco. By the way, Cinco's an unusual horse. I have to tell you about him real quick as a side. He has five feet. He has five what? He has five hoofs. Linko's front right foot has an extra hoof coming out the side of it. And it literally has a, uh, well, let me pull this picture out. Here's the ones that are over in uh, Crowheart right now. Uh huh. Can you see that anyway? Yep. Yeah, sure. Okay, right here. See that? Oh, what? look at that. Can you believe that? That's Cinco. Wow. How oh, that's for a foot. I've never seen one like that. He's in the And how old is Cinco? He's, uh, let's see, how old is he now? Come on, Cinco. Seven or eight years old, something like that. He's young. Yeah, he is. He is. We got him. You know, I have so many people look at him and say, well, gee, can that be removed? I said, why would you remove it? It doesn't get in the way of him walking. You know, there's no point in in taking that foot off if he can walk. And he does just fine. He's in the parade all the time. We we point him out. Uh huh. Of course, you can figure out why his name is Cinco, can't you? A little bit. <laughs> Anybody who's at all familiar with Spanish, Cinco means hot yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. You've heard of the, yep. the, Spanish, the Mexican holiday Cinco de Mayo? Oh, yes. Anyway, okay, bye. Okay, so that's Cinco. Then we've got Chiquita, Cheyenne, Scout, Smokey, Hattie, Stormy, Patience, Romeo, Trixie, Little, and Huckleberry. That's the 16 over there. Then we've got Whiskey, who's over in Kinnear, being taken care of by an old lady. Then we've got TJ, Dolly, Cap, and Simcha down the street. Those are the ones we're feeding right now. So we've got the four of them down the road here at uh, the neighbor's house. And TJ and Dolly retired from the Forest Service two years ago. And uh, they're both getting quite up there, about 30 years old, both of them. And Cap and Simcha were the two that we took from the old folks in Idaho Falls. Then we've got Patchett, Roller, Rooster, and Dagan relatives of mine over in Bedford, and he's taking care of them for the winter. Then we've got Cheyenne Zorro in Thane in Star Valley at uh, a lady's house. She's take good taking taking good care of them. Then we've got one here in Jackson with a family, and they're taking care of it. Uh, Don. Then we've got Buffy down in Daniel with a lady. Then we've got Doby here in Jackson with one of our rescue volunteers. She's taking care of him. So that's a total of 30 horses. But 
Come summer, when we have grass here, we will only have 23 on the property, those 30. The other seven mm-hmm. go to different people, whatnot, in the summer, where they take care of them. So there's quite a list of horses. We keep good records of who they are and where they came from and the papers on them and all that kind of stuff. So what percentage of people who have horses at a certain point say, I can't take care of this horse anymore compared to people like, I'm keeping it. It's my horse. I'll keep it through its the end of life for that animal. I don't know what the percentage would be, but there are a lot of them that finally get to the point where they say, you know, this horse is getting old enough and we just can't afford to take care of it anymore. That's a big deal. Hay is, uh-huh. you know, five years ago, hay was $80 a ton. Now it's 350 a ton. It's, oh my gosh. Oh, it's terrible. It's just gone crazy with the price of diesel fuel and the drought that we've had and things like that. It's just gone crazy. And so it becomes very expensive to take care of a horse. And we get calls all the time that we just don't have room to take in any more horses. For instance, when I took those two down there at Johnny's place, half a mile down the road, that actually gave us three horses, or he had three there, gave us five horses there. And within just a couple of weeks, the homeowners association came down on him and said, Covenants say you can only have four horses here. And he said, well, what one more horse? Well, you can't fight with homeowners association. Mm-hmm. They don't fight. Anyway, so we had to take one of those out and take him over to Star Valley to my relatives. Place over mm-hmm. there. So that leaves us four there. And all four of them are old. We get calls all the time. Somebody says, I can't take care of my horses. I've had three or four calls like that this winter. This person has two. This person has two. This person has one. And uh, if I can't take them in, I offer to help them financially to get their horse through the winter until we can place them with someone. Mm-hmm. We've been somewhat successful at going on Miss Misty's list and listing a horse that had two mares that a lady wanted to get rid of, and I just didn't have room for them. And so we put them on Misty's list. I swear within three hours, uh, there were half a dozen people wanted them, and one guy got them and came, o- came over from Idaho Falls and got them. Just, hmm. he had some acreage over there, not very much, a couple of acres. And he had young family, and these were two older, gentle mares. And he said, I just want my kids to ride around the pasture. Mm-hmm. That was great. Another opportunity, another avenue opening to where we can get rid of some of the, the uh, horses. But we have a lot of way that people call and say, I can't afford to take care of my horse anymore. What can I do? Hmm. That's got to be tough to give away your best friend. It is. This old couple from Idaho Falls that came over, they said, well, we know this with cancer should be put down, but we just want to make sure it has its last months in a real nice place. In the summer, we've got gorgeous pasture and the Tetons right there. And it's a place where a, it's like an old folks home mm-hmm. for horses that they can just live out the last of their days. Now, in the summer, are they on the ranch, the Trinity Ranch with you or yes, they, they are. other places? Yes, uh, the boss agreed to have about 20 horses here, and we nearly always have a few more than that. Like I say, we have mm-hmm. 23 right now, and we try to place them here and there. We try to keep it down to around 20 here because that's what he agreed to. Mm-hmm. Now, last summer, we got sprinkler irrigation here, and so we don't have a shortage of grass. It's just a matter of the boss not feeling like it's too congested. Sure. He's not here that often. He's He's here, oh, probably a couple of times in the summer and once in the winter. You know, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, it's his family and friends. Well, it's it's nice that you have that place to be able to house those horses in the summertime. Oh, we didn't have it. We we just couldn't operate. We struggled over in Star Valley and couldn't have near as many horses. Let me tell you something. 
one thing that happens often, well, not often, but occasionally. Someone will call and say, I've got a horse here that's lame. For instance, the first one we got a call on that was Stormy. She's a white white horse. And uh, the person said, she's 12 years old, but she's been lame for a year. Don't know if she'll ever get over it. And that doesn't know what's wrong. So we took her in. And about another year from that, she finally got well. The vet said it must be a tendon or muscle pulled up inside her shoulder there. She finally got well. And she's been one of our mainstay horses here in our string. So we can take the boss's guest and family horseback. Another one was a neighbor of mine over in Star Valley. And he says, two years in a row, I've taken this horse Cheyenne on hunting trip. And both years after a long day riding, it went lame and we couldn't use it the rest of the trip. And we're stuck back there in the hills. And he says, it's just something that goes wrong. So we took it in. It's been 10 years since I took that horse in and has been one of our mainstays also. Typically, we take the boss's family and friends on short horseback rides, two hours at a time or something like that, out in Teton Park, you know, to Jenny Lake or wherever. And he's just great for that. Uh, once or twice, we have taken him on a long ride, and he got lame by the end of the day. And I said, oh, I forgot about that. You know? uh-huh. Anyway, so that's a couple of them like that. And we, we get them that way. That uh, Oh, had one guy here in uh, the riding stable that was at Snow King Riding Stable called us said, we've got this horse that's lame and don't know if he'll get over it. He's been lame for several months. We can't afford to keep him. So I went, picked up the horse. I'll never forget the wrangler telling me. He said, don't give up on this horse. This is really a great horse if he can get better. We had him for about a year and he got better. And we used him for three or four years and he finally died too old. Hmm. What a remarkable thing that you guys are doing. Um, It is really satisfying to do. Oh, let me tell you one more thing about putting a please putting a horse down. There was a veterinarian who had a, you know, we, we try to keep track of, you know, horse things, their dog and everything else around our two adopt critters here, a cat and a dog. And anyway, uh, this veterinarian said, and I'll never forget watching his video. He said, the biggest problem I have with putting dogs down is the people bring their beloved dog here, leave it, for me to put down and he said well as i'm giving it a shot that dog is just looking looking like where's my where's my master mm-hmm. it just brings me to tears thinking about it he said any person needing to put down a pet needs to be right there holding that pet's paw or mm-hmm. petting that pet when it gets put down so that they are feeling relaxed and comfortable because daddy's here you know and that's how we feel about our horses mm-hmm. they aren't, they're really close to us and that's about putting them down also rather than just shipping them off to the vet and letting him do it. I'm right there. I give them a last hug, tell them they've been a good horse and send them to the great pasture in the sky where I'll be someday. Speaking of that, I do cowboy poetry. Oh, you do? Can I read you a poem that uh, me and my brother wrote? Please. Don't Cry When I Die by Maury Jones and his brother Ronnie. When the day finally comes that my life here is done, don't cry if I die on my horse. I'd rather be riding my horse at a run than stuck in an office, of course. I ain't got no fear when my last day gets here, as long as I'm doing something fun, like roping or riding or drinking root beer or laughing or shooting a gun. I won't hesitate. Wait, I can't do it. I won't hesitate. I have no remorse to give old St. Peter a greeting, but I'd much rather get there coming off of a horse than just coming out of a meet. I'd rather not languish in a hospital bed having to use that nasty old bedpan. It ain't much better than being pronounced dead. The hospital's more than this feller can stand. I want to reach heaven at some future day, but I gotta die to get there, I know. So I ain't gonna try to avoid it. I say, if I'm on a horse, I'll be happy to go. So don't cry when I die, 
because I keep trying my best to make sure that I'm riding old scout. I'll be on a trail out here in the West. I'll die without sorrow or with a shout. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful, Jonesy. You can find some of my cowboy poetry just by going to YouTube and putting in Jonesy cowboy poetry. And do you do a lot of it with your brother? No, he he lives in Arizona. I just okay. do it here for my guests and things. He uh, he or emailed me one day and said, I got this great idea for a poem. And he had it kind of lined out. And I went mm -hmm. and did extension, rev extensive revisions. We got it. Tuned. That's awesome. That was great. What a way to wrap up a interview today that's fun it really is and so do you participate in any of the cowboy poetry or like the hoot nanny around here I haven't because i haven't had time to go do it i used to open at the bar j chuck wagon doing two or three poems you know just to entertain the guests as they're arriving just before they started uh-huh anyway too bad bar j's not here anymore yeah i when i'd go out there to bar j i'd go six or seven even up to 13 times in the summer with my guests you know guests come here and i'll take them out there uh-huh anyway but it was fun to do that on stage and of course as we go on trail rides or go boating or whatever i uh, tell them cowboy poetry out there i've got several of them that i've written myself sounds like you keep people well entertained they have quite an experience they do it, it's just great and you know i'm this has just become like family here the boss is burn evans b-e-r-n-e -E, evans and his family I've kind of grown up with them, and I'm part of the family now. That's uh, that's awesome that they just embrace you into the family. That's And correct. that you feel that way as well. That's how it's been. You bet. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, does the horse rescue, Jackson Hole Horse Rescue, have a way for people to learn more, a website? Yes. JacksonHoleHorseRescue.com. Okay. Simple as that. JacksonHoleHorseRescue.com. And we've got a website, which is Horse Rescue Jackson Hole face, Facebook. What I mean, excuse me, the website is jacksonholehorserescue.com. The Facebook is Horse Rescue Jackson Hole. Okay. Got understood. Thank you. You bet. Well, Jonesy, it's been an absolute delight and pleasure uh, to get to talk to you and, and meet with you. Um, you remind me a lot of uh, the gentleman, Chris Koch, I know here in town. I know him quite well. He he just um, pop my bones all different directions. He's yeah, chiropractor. I get to talk to his son when I go to Albertsons, and I can see a lot of uh, it's a lot of similarities in each of you. Um, well, I consider that a compliment. Well, Jonesy, you go have a great day. Thank you for the work that you're doing, and keep making a difference in the world and in this community. To learn more about Maury Jonesy Jones and the Jackson Hole Horse Rescue, visit the Jackson Hole Connection. Dot com episode number 240. Thank you everybody for listening today. Get out and share this podcast with your friends and families, Instagram and Facebook. Do you know if somebody would like to be a guest? Send us their name. We'd love to have them. Take care, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection. <laughs>